This is episode 21 of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. You are listening to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. Conversations with women who have found creative ways to travel more. With your host, travel hacker and online course creator, Jet Set Lizette. I want to take the fear out of the money side of it and, and let women see how with just a little bit of like understanding how the system works, you can access your dreams and your goals. Hi, welcome to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. It's the podcast dedicated to inspiring you to travel more. I'm your host, Jet Set Lizette, a travel coach and travel hacker who's been able to save over $90,000 in travel costs by racking up airline miles and hotel points. I believe that if you want to get to your bucket list destination, you need to start taking concrete steps no matter how small. Hearing how others have successfully made travel a priority is a great way to get ideas and get motivated. This podcast is going to help you become the globetrotter you've always wanted to be by bringing you valuable tips, resources, and insights from seasoned travelers. Today, I'm talking with Erin Papworth, a veteran traveler who spent 12 years living and traveling abroad, working primarily in sub-Saharan Africa. She's now back in the States and is launching an exciting new app called Navit, which aims to empower women to become more financially savvy, with travel as the inspiration and end goal. I'm going to be asking Erin to share about the experience of living abroad, about what led her to develop Navit, what the app does to help make travel more attainable and accessible, and much, much more. You're also going to learn what sparked her love of travel, which includes an unusual story about running a safari in Botswana at only 21 years old. So let's jump in and get started. Well, welcome, Erin. I'm really glad to have you here with me in the Globetrotter Lounge and um, excited because we get to sit down in person and talk. And I know we're going to have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. I am so excited. Thank you for having me. Let's start off with the usual thing that I do, which is tell me about your love of travel and how that got started in your life. Oh, my goodness. So I think... So travel has defined my life, and I, I I know this is true for a lot of people that you interview, but it has defined my life from the beginning. So I was really lucky to acquire a stepmother when I was nine years old who also has just a massive passion for travel. So she started introducing me to travel. She decided, okay, first let's start with the state. So we, we traveled around the state of Oregon. And then she said, okay, we'll graduate to the, the United States. So we went to D.C., we went to Boston. And then in high school, I was lucky enough where she took us, she took me to Paris and to London. Ooh. Yes, it was amazing. And that just, I mean, that trip, I think, fundamentally altered the the course of my life where I just opened my eyes to the reality that people live have the same human needs of love, community, pro- professional development, you know, growth, but yet they have completely different ways of doing that and different angles. And it just, and, and the history that you see when you travel Europe is just profound. So that was it. That started the bug. And then, so I basically in college, I kind of like finagled my way into either saving up for, you know, spring break trip, backpacking around Costa Rica or, um, studying abroad, right? Summers abroad was like my jam. I I didn't have to go back home. (laughs) Right. And I got some credits and I got to travel and mainly in Europe. 
Um, and then the final kind of nail in the coffin was that same stepmother uh, took me on a safari for my my college graduation. Wow. Yes. We were supposed to go to China, but SARS had just happened. And I had taken this awesome development course with a South Sudanese professor. I was like, what about Africa? And so we went to South Africa and Botswana. Hmm. And in my – so I don't know. I mean, you've done safaris. No. Okay. Oh, my I have not. God. <gasps> the Okavanga <laughs> Delta in Botswana. Okay. I highly – I mean, Tanzania is just fabulous. But, oh, my God. No, okay. you're taking notes. Take notes, please. Yeah. High-quality, low-quantity tourism. So it's, it's a very specific um, experience. So one of the nuances with safaris is that you – there's not a lot of activity for you as a tourist. There's a lot happening in the background. But basically, I mean, you're in this remote area. There are lions and, you know, elephant that – are scared of you and want to eat you. So you literally wake up in the morning, go on this amazing game drive really early. Then you have this massive siesta. You eat, you you sleep, and then you go out on a game drive again and then eat again. So I buy like the fourth the fourth hotel I was like really going crazy. Like I was 21 years old. I had a lot of energy. So in the middle of the siesta, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in the back and see what's going on. Everyone's asleep. <laughs> what really happens here? Which is kind of defined the rest of my life. <laughs> but um, I went in the back and I found this ra- – everyone was asleep, literally. But this random South African dude was fixing his Land Rover. And he was like, what are you doing? I was like, what are you doing? And he he literally said, all right, well, then, since you're here, do you know how to drive a stick, a stick shift? And I was like, nope. So he <laughs> put me in this car and taught me how to drive a stick on the wrong side, on wow. the you know, British side. Yeah. And we went on this big adventure, and he was the owner of the lodge. And he we got in this political debate because I was, like, all set to go to Washington, D.C. and intern and, and, like, do international development. I knew I wanted to do something like that. And he was like, this was 2003, so we had just invaded Iraq, and apartheid had only fallen in 94, right? So it was only nine years. It was really, it's a fascinating moment in time that I was not fully aware of at the time. And um, he he gave me the whole shtick, like, you Americans, you think you know the problems. You don't have a clue. You have your own problems. Like, international development, you just throw money at it. You don't know. And I was 21. I was like, you're totally right. I have no idea what the root problems of any of these, you know, whatever issues that are exist here. And so he said, very strategically on his part, come back and run my safari, help me run my safari lodge for free. I'm free labor. And um, you can learn about it. And I, it was amazing. And yes, it was profound. My poor stepmother was like, your parents are going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. Yes. Yes. So I had one more lodge and I just kept thinking, I can't be offered a job in Botswana. I'm 21. I have like the rest of my life. I can't be offered that job and not take it. So... I went back, told my parents I'm leaving, told DC I'm not coming, and I went and ran a safari lodge for nine months. <laughs> wow. Incredible. <laughs> it was great. I love that. Yeah. So that was basically the start. So basically, um, I worked in safari lodges. If you want to give back and you want to do anything in Africa, you kind of end up either in health or education, especially you know having a college degree. So I um, hopped over eventually to health. So there was big money coming in at that time, actually, from the U.S. government. George Bush, um, George W., had put up a big, ironically, a big fund to fund um, HIV, like antiretroviral drugs. And and Botswana and the Gates Foundation here had partnered with them, and Botswana was their first recipient. So there was a lot of money coming into the country, but not a lot of um, 
like technical professional support for it. So it was really it was easy to kind of hop over and work in the nascent programs that we're starting. Okay. And then I used that. Um, I basically the kind of the way I travel hacked in my twenties was I used um, jobs to kind of see the world. So mm. I would I I moved from that kind of development work from in Botswana to um, Doctors Without Borders, mm-hmm. Medicine Sans Frontier. Yep. Yeah. And because I kind of got fed up, okay, development, like it, it really was true. These like Americans with a lot of money were coming and telling people what to do and that had no real clue of the kind of root causes of, of you know, disease transference. And so I thought, okay, I'll do emergencies, like emergencies. You get in, you save people's lives, but you don't really tell them what to do. You're not messing with the political side, which was a little naive, somewhat true as well. So I went and I worked for Doctors Without Borders in Darfur in Sudan. Um, but see, then, so you get you get over there, you work, they pay all of your expenses, they pay you a minimal salary, but you don't have any real costs. So you save all your money and then you travel on mm-hmm. your vacations in Arnhem. Okay. So yeah. I did Tanzania, I did Zanzibar, I did Kenya. It was fabulous. Wow. Yes. And then um, I worked in Malawi for them and then Central African Republic. Okay. So that and that took you to what age were you when all of this happened? You said 21 was when yeah. you had the conversation, yes. you know, and driving the stick shift. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so then at what point are we now after you've done all of this work? Yes. So so at, I did 3 years with MSF. So I was about 26 okay. by the time I ended with MSF and I knew um to stay in healthcare, I wanted to. I needed to get a master's. So, so at that point, I went back and did a master's of public health um, in international health, so that I could get back into that world. And so that, that was back in the states. That was back. In, I went to Tulane, who has they have a really good health kind of practical international health program, okay. and very fascinating in Tulane because it's you know post Katrina. It's a lot of public health work. So in that time period, I the internship for the masters. I went to Haiti and I worked. Um, I did some um, positive deviance behavior change programs there, um, and then I finished in '09. And I had met my. Um, to be husband, to be ex-husband, um, at the time, and he was working in Cameroon in Central Africa. So, in I graduated, and I went straight back over to Cameroon. Okay, wow, yeah. So you were abroad still at that point. Then, yes. how long were you abroad? What brought you back to the states where I'm now sitting with you talking? How yes, did that isn't happen? that funny? Yes. yes. <laughs> So I did another what seven eight years um, in West Africa. I wanted to learn French, so like deep dive into working in francophone countries. Um, that was painful, but it happened. And um, so I did, I worked, yeah, I was based in Cameroon. I covered Central Africa. Then I, we moved over to Senegal and I was, I was, I covered most of West Africa. Um, and then in 2015, we moved back uh, stateside. So I'm from Portland, Oregon. So we moved back to Portland for a year and I was still doing consulting work, still going back and forth. Um, mainly U.S. government or United Nations-funded work. But I always, you know, part of the my hack is I always leverage those trips to go on other trips. Um, so get over there and then, you know, go to Mozambique or go see South Africa or go through London and stay a couple days or, you know what I mean? So, and then, then um, to... 
when I came back, okay, this is actually a really fun conversation. Okay. <laughs> I hope. Okay. So I had never lived. I came, So I came back. Um, I basically left at 21 and came back at 34. And I had wow. never lived as an adult. I mean, I came back for the master's, and I, but I was a student, so that didn't really count. So I, did, I came back with this beautiful child and never living in the States as a, prof- as a professional or as an adult. And just um, the shock at the system in which we live and how there are so many pain points um, in, from a financial perspective of if you don't understand the system, it can take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. The fees behind banks, the what is a credit score? I had a credit score because I had banks. But, you know, if you if you haven't if you're an immigrant, you come over to the States and you don't have you don't often have a credit score, which means you can't get access to a lot of things that you need to get access to. Just managing, you know, utilities and all of them, all of these kind of details. I was I was really shocked that um, it was more complicated than I think we are educated to understand that it is mm-hmm. as you get older mm-hmm. and where the kind of potholes are. So you're coming into this. You're an American, but you're sort of almost not. You're you're American, but you've been gone for so long yeah. that you have a perspective that you can bring. Yes, yes. And so two things happened while I was overseas. One is I became very passionate about women's development. So if you look at um, any statistics, any country like uh, level statistics, you see women's access to health and education directly parallels the GDP of a country, the economic growth of a country. So so women are, and I mean, Melinda Gates talks about that. A lot of people talk about this, but women are the backbone of any economy. And if you don't have access, if they don't have access to really the empowerment and the ability to make a better life for their children, um, your economy doesn't grow. And so over there, it was very obvious because healthcare is something that um, is still desperately like access to healthcare is very needed. When I came back here, I was looking around. I was like, you know, healthcare. We have it's not perfect, and there's a lot of disparity, but there is healthcare. Like there's access to healthcare for women in this country and and education relatively. The thing that is happening that I thought was really exciting was for the first time in our collective feminine experience, we have access to our own money. In previous generations, up until truly like the millennial generation. The access we had to our own money, our money was through a partner or through a family or it was very – it was never – we had access to education that then got us our own jobs and the money was in our name. Mm -hmm. So that's a profound shift that if you understand the way our country works, you understand money is the backbone of how power and any sort of social change occurs, right? Mm -hmm. So we finally have access for the first time to our own money, and yet we've never kind of developed a financial literacy or female lexicon to normalize the conversation around money. I mean, this is what you do all the time, right? You're talking about travel hacking and and the way money works to get you the lifestyle that you want. Mm -hmm. But we haven't, it's not a normal conversation to, you know, sit here with a girlfriend and talk about, hey, like. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're normalizing it by talking about it. So good job. Thank you very (laughs) much. (laughs) Thank you for your work. (laughs) Happy to help. Yes, it really does. Just normal. Yeah. So storytelling to me and, and peer education, talking about it become helps us level up our knowledge so that in the end we see that money is just freedom it's a freedom to choose the lifestyle that you want to live right no i love that i love that and you're right about the financial piece women in finance i think there's more of that happening you you know you, you're hearing about more groups of women who are getting together and talking about money and, and but you're right it's still not something that you associate with 
female energy or something. Yeah. Um, in quite the same way. Well, even travel hacking. So, you know, I do all this earning miles and points. If you go out and look online, it's the points guy. The points guy. Million yes. Mile Secrets. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, I'm not going to name them all. Yeah. But no, it's heavily men. I mean, dominated by men. And that's why I decided, like, in my logo, it's clear that I'm a woman. Yes. You know, with my yes. crazy curly hair and all that. Yes. And because I think that's just something that, you know, makes it a little different. There are other female travel hackers, but there's just – you don't really know they're out there. Um, no. And it doesn't have that same – I don't know. It's just weird how and, no, I hackers. No, and that's – it's – in my perspective, it's – we have historic – there is a barrier to confidence around finances and math. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look at all the statistics about how women don't get into STEM or there's like, a, you know, there's a significant young girls think that they're bad at math, all these kind of things. And and finances seem like math. Mm-hmm. Right. But in the end, just like you're saying, it's just this practical tool right. that helps you get what you want. Right. right. And, the, and, and the math, if you are thinking about it from a from this kind of. I want X. How do I get there? And women are very good at that, right? We're very good at, like, I mean, managing things, like project managers or running a household. Like, we need to accomplish this. Here are the steps we have to get there to to do to get there. You know, it's the same thing. It's just we haven't talked about it. Like, you haven't said, hey, look – Lizette is really good at this. She looks like me. She's a woman. She is doing this, so I can do it too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that leads us right into the yes. heart of what you're doing now. <laughs> so tell me about yes. what you are up to and this exciting new product that you're about to launch. Yes. Service. Thank and, you. Yeah, yes. Ahead. Yeah, I'm really excited. So um, I started a company called Navit, which stands for Navigate It and li- It being life. So let's go Navit. I want it to be a verb. I want everyone to use it like and it has it's for me it has an empowerment call like I nabbed that or that was really hard I totally just nabbed it and you have this um this ability to say hey finances are really complicated but you can nab it anyone can figure it out because by being an adult basically in this world you're you're managing your money mm-hmm. I mean even if you don't look you're still managing because you're it's a part of life um so the company was founded to help increase women's financial literacy, but through really practical storytelling and conversations. And we're using travel as a passion point because travel is so fun. It opens the world. I mean, you talk about this all the time, right? Um, it opens it opens up a different way of thinking about life, and you need money to travel. Yep. So we're really trying to help women um, save. So set up a savings goal. We're giving them beautiful content that our journalists have gone out around the world and experienced, you know, different places that is always linked to something practical. So you can get this beautiful article on Bali, but then she's the the writer, typically it's a woman, is going to give you the budget that she actually you love it. Yeah, it's great. It's so it's our like the feminine need for practicality. Like, I want to see how my money works and how this works. So, and it's kind of trying to, it's also playing a little bit with, you know, the the social media game is very, especially Instagram, is very veiled and perfect. Like, you have these Mm -hmm. travel influencers that do these, you know, beautiful Greek, you know, (laughs) pictures. But, you know, there's a lot behind that, that picture that is not pretty and 
costs money or, you know, she or maybe she travel hacked her whole way or she had some sponsor pay for it. Like there's a lot more to it that you want to kind of know. And yeah. I like to dig into. Yeah. It. Like how did she get there? How did she get there? How did. Yeah. That's which is what I love to hear about. Obviously, it's what yes, this it's podcast what you is about. <laughs> you know, it's like, how did you do that? How did you yes. get there? I want to yes. know. Yes. You know, and it, it never seems to end. Like doesn't matter how much I travel. There's still somebody else doing something that I'm like scratching my head going. Wait, what? Wait, you, how? You did that? Like, yes. how did you set your life up that you could be yes. in Portugal for nine months working where? Yes. You know? Yes. So it's so beautiful. That is exactly what yeah. I'm always after. Yes. And finding out more. And I feel like I'll never be the full expert. I feel like it's just... There's so many options. So many options. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly why we take this approach of storytelling. Because from a from when you learn the people learn the best and and the information is most digested when you learn from a peer. When you see someone else that that you can relate to doing what you do. And that's Mm -hmm. the same point about, you know, having a the standard white man talk about finances, I don't see myself in that conversation because his language is specific and it's, you know, kind of from a different a different perspective. When when you and I sit down and we say, hey, let's talk about this. This is how this worked. I can ask questions and you just have this dynamic and you see yourself doing it. And so it's much more accessible. So we're using that exact your storytelling approach. Yes, it's yeah. fantastic. And I had a chance to go on the website that you have, which is nav.it. Yes, nav.it. I know. It's I love it. <laughs> oh, good! Yay! And I looked at you know what you what you're describing there, and yeah. because of course the app isn't out yet, right? No, no. We did a soft launch um, with kind of a friends and family group to get feedback, and we will launch the beta in January. Wonderful! I'm very excited. Can't yes, wait. yes. If anyone wants to sign up, they can just go to the website and put their email in, and then we'll send them. We'll send them the announcement when the beta is in the app store. Okay. Yeah, and then we'll do a full launch in April. Awesome. Okay. So I looked at it and I yeah. was I was intrigued. I loved the different topics that you had. Um, I'm trying to remember them now. I know there was sort of savvy insider. Yes. There was something about itineraries or just yes. understanding yes. you know where you where you might go, discovering where you could go. Yes. There was also um, financial, you know, pieces, budgeting. Yes. Yeah. But all of it was intriguing to me because yeah, there's that place where you feel like you want to just kind of get ideas. Um, exactly. I saw, was there something about fragrances in Paris? I don't yes. know. You know, <laughs> ideas for like, ooh, yeah, I would love to do that. But also, oh, it costs that much to get to Singapore? Really? Exactly. And then, oh, wait, I want to find out where to eat once I'm there. Yes. Um, so I liked how you have this kind of, you know, it's not just a budgeting aid, although it is that. Yeah. Um, and it looked like there really was going to be some concrete budgeting tools. Yes. Right? Yep, there are. Uh, but there was also this whole other component that was just idea making, yes. storytelling, like you're saying, and yeah. inspiration. Yes. On on many levels, but it felt like it worked. Like it wasn't what – I, what I loved yeah. about it was that it wasn't so b- completely broad that you're lost. I don't know if that right. makes sense. No, it's true. And it, and that was a big debate in general as we've built this is like are we are we trying to be too much because we are we're content provider we're trying to use storytelling to talk about you know our kind of the managing money but also just you know owning your life and and setting your own course um but we I really felt like hey women are savvy women are smart we can get this because we don't just need another inspirational blog. We need to actually have the actionable items. So what we can do, and this is so that every article has 
this kind of practical tip box if it's the budget or tips on how to hack, you know, you know, for example, Iceland, like bring your own water bottle because mm-hmm. water is really expensive, that kind of stuff. Right. Perfect. Um, and then if you have a budget, you can in the app, you can save it as a goal. So this is the fun part. This is like the action. So, OK, it looks like, you know, Lizette's wonderful trip to Brazil cost, let's say, $3,000. She travel hacked here. Ooh, I can do that, too. But I'm going to now set that $3,000 as a goal. I can edit it to, OK, I'm going to bring two more people. I'm going to go for a couple more days. But you set it as a goal. And then if you want to, you can link your checking account and we and set the date that you want to achieve that. OK, I want to do this by June 2019. And we will pull one, you know, maybe $2 a day from your checking account into a Navit savings account and to get you there. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yes. It's very exciting. That's one of the missing links for me personally. Um, I've always been really good at figuring out ways to travel, getting places. Um, I don't really save very well. I I, yeah. I tend to just do it. Yes. I mean, there's... In some ways, I feel like I almost don't need to save because I'm saving by what I'm doing. Saving so And, much. you know, I'm saving in a different kind of way. <laughs> totally. Right? I'm not putting it away in, in a savings account, but yes. I'm figuring out how to not have to spend all the money to begin with. But I do have goals that involve things like, well, I'd like to be living, you know, in Portugal or in Spain for yes. a year. And I know I can't. Well, I can get I can get there. Yes. <laughs> but I need to now do some what? other yes. kind of planning financially. Yes. And I mean, it's not that I can't save. I've saved. But no, I sure. tend to save more short term and then I use it to go on a trip if I you know. Yeah, which is beautiful and exactly the lifestyle that, yeah. <laughs> that people want, but which I, is great. But I love yeah. um, and I'm already a budgeter. Yes. But I love that there's this added component where you can kind of see what it what the goal is. Like, oh, yes, Paris, I want to go there. This is how much it costs. Yes. Ooh, but I want to be in that picture. Um, you know, and, and I, I want to experience this. So here's a practical tool to help yeah. me get there. I like that combination yes. together. Yeah, thank you. Because we're really, I think that's part of the thing. You know, a lot of people, I mean, 85% of millennial women will go on some trip in the next year. It's, it's often domestic, but that's that's a substantial amount of women that are traveling. Yes. But a lot of, I mean, there's like 60% that say that money is the reason they don't travel, right? So yep. we're really we're really trying to say, hey, this is accessible to everyone. I mean, yep. we're, so, we're so lucky to live in America where we don't have to get visas everywhere. Right. <laughs> so it is like the accessibility is real. And it just takes, you know, I, I don't even like saying foresight, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if you, I think what we don't, we don't see automatically, and it takes a lot of research to understand cost of things. So I want to go to Paris, but oh, it seems so unattainable, because maybe it's, it seems like it's like $10,000. When in reality, a woman like you had went and hacked her way through it, or it cost her probably $3,000. And then if you start saving enough, you know, even if you're saving $1 a day, you're going to get to $3,000 eventually, and it's accessible. So it's not, I want to take the fear out of the money side of it and and let women see how with just a little bit of like understanding how the system works, you can access your dreams and your goals. Yeah, I absolutely love it because I'm Yay! all about helping, you know, people, but especially women, get out there and travel more. And I I hear yeah. a lot of women say what you're saying. Obviously, top yes. of the list is what well, I don't really think, feel like I can afford it. Yeah. Next is I don't think I can take the time away from my family or yes. they're newly working and they're not sure how to get time off from their job. Yes. And um, there's just so many different things that can feel like a barrier. Yes. I think the money part and then having that inspiration that comes with 
great content storytelling that we yeah. hear gets you kind of in that place where you think, let me let me try to figure out how. There's got to be a way out. There is a way. There's got to be a way to yes. do it. And yes. that's what I love um, sparking in people. Yes. You know? So we also, the other one of the other features is a community feed. And I'm really excited about this because – it's it's curated to some degree. It's it's an open feed for all users. But we, you know, we're never going to sell your data. This is really a community of what we're trying to say, like sister travelers that we can you can post a question. Hey, I'm going to Frankfurt, you know, next week. Anything cool to do? And anyone in the community can answer. It's like sourcing sourcing information from the community of travelers already. And then we have our social media, like our social. NAVIT experts that will also do some research and try and answer questions. And then when you go, you can post. You can post, hey, I just went to Frankfurt and this was an amazing market only on, you know, Saturdays in the fall, but you can get this amazing beer, whatever you want there. Um, and we really, we're really pushing people. It, it's pretty like an Instagram kind of post, but we're really pushing people to say, like, give some real talk. Tell mm-hmm. us a real talk. Tell us a travel fail. Because mm-hmm. like, Yep. Oh, I have failed so many times in my travels. And it's oh, yeah. funny. And in the end, it's like, that's part of the joy of it, right? Sometimes you miss that flight, but you end up sitting next to this amazing person that took you somewhere else when you got to the location. And you just have all these amazing stories to tell. So we're really trying to push and also, frankly, and talk, um, you know, have women talk about money, talk about, hey, I, this is the place to go to save in, you know, yeah, Bali versus there. So, so right. I'm really excited about that because it's an open source. You know, any any user can contribute and ask questions and get feedback and share. So, I have a question for you. Speaking of travel fails, yes. Um, do you have any? <laughs> do you so have many. any challenges? You know, I mean, you've you've done a lot. Obviously, you've, you feel like you weren't just traveling; you were living abroad. Really, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and traveling on the side. That's and funny. traveling <laughs> on the side. You were able to save money. I, I, I really like that part where you're talking about yeah. working and how, because everything was covered, you were able to save money and be able to take other side trips. Yep. Um, but do you have any, I don't know, did you have a time where travel felt difficult or you were sort of over it or, you know, because I think we can all, yes. as travelpreneurs or whatever we want to call ourselves, yes. we can all, like you said, we, we, we wax on about how wonderful it is. <laughs> totally. But I know we've all had those days where you're like sick with dysentery in India, you know, yes. picking your guts oh out and going God. like, why am I in this stupid country? I hate it here. <laughs> totally. Like, I want to go home. You know? Where am I? <laughs> why? Yes. So I don't know if you have any, any things that you've shared that have been sure. kind of rough. Completely. And, and talking about um. Yes, uh, traveler's diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> always fun, right? right? I don't know. Have you ever spent time with um, Peace Corps volunteers? No. Oh my God! So in Africa, there are a lot of them, and and you cannot spend more than ten minutes in a room with p- current Peace Corps volunteers in whatever country you live in, and not get to their bowel movements. Oh no, like, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, traveling in sub-Saharan Africa for long periods of time. It can be hard on your body. And I think, um, you know, I had amoebic dysentery in Sudan. I definitely have had malaria a couple times. I don't have it badly. I doesn't react. I don't react too badly to it. So I'm okay. Um, I didn't I, re, I, I lived there. So I didn't 
and I I think I should tell your your listeners this. I didn't take the prophylaxis because it's not it's actually not wise to take that for extended mm. periods of time. Yeah. Though though it's recommended if you go for two weeks. Um, so the physical side of it. The other thing is access to healthy food. So I had this really interesting relationship with food over there, where here I felt like there was so much sugar and processed food in the American food system, and over there there's a lot of you know, farm raised everything because it's a lot of local food. But at the same time, you have more diseases. You have typhoid, you have salmonella, mm-hmm. you have other things that um, you have to kind of watch out for. So it was beautiful because the experiences I had opened up so many different ways of looking at the world. And I have such a profound respect for the human experience and, and fundamentally the feminine experience around the world. Like the fe- women, like I said, just the strength of women that I saw around the world and their ability to be pregnant and cultivate and take care of the household and educate their kids and survive and still smile and be a good person it was really profound. So uh, so other than the physical side of things, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is even if it's challenging at times, it hasn't kept me from traveling. You yeah. Know, that, that ultimately, I mean, I think it's good to say yes, because that is a fear that some women express yeah. that I've spoken with is they're like, well, I want to go, but I'm really nervous about going somewhere because of getting sick. Yeah. You know, or I'm really nervous because, yeah, money, all the other yes. things we talked about. But I think I think that even with those things, or even if, I would, I would want to say almost because of those things, um, sometimes I love travel because yes. often in those worst moments, I've met the most amazing people. Yes. Because I need help. Yes. Um, and people will help you. Yes. You know. Humanity rises. <laughs> Humanity rises. Yes. And there can be some strange things. We've had oh. we've had very difficult times. <laughs> it, there's a lot of them for me happened in India. But anyway. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's not your country. <laughs> yeah, not really. Not really. But um, but there were always these amazing people who would yeah. come to your to aid. Yeah. And it also brings out your own sense of what you can get through, you know, yes. and oh, the resilience. And then also Absolutely. that perspective of how hard it is to get through those things in a country where you're not from there. You maybe don't speak the language. Yes. It gives me a real respect for the people who come here yes. and work here yes. or try to navigate life here. You know, I yes. really it's respect immigrants. Completely. You know, when I was like going to school in Italy or doing the different things I've done, I'm yes. like, how do people do this at how? home where they move and work? And speak a foreign language, basically, yes. to them. It's really hard. Yes, it's really hard. <laughs> and if you don't have... See, I had the luxury of having... I went to a country because I was working for an organization that was set up, like that already existed there. So they could kind of walk me through it. They could kind of handhold me through the bureaucracy or, you know, help you with figuring out housing and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, people that show up in a country and make their way, there's just... I mean, the the resilience, the grit, all of those characteristics that we know from a, psycho- a psychology perspective make you successful. Like, they have it. And, mm-hmm. and they're, I mean, it's really profound. Um, one thing I want to say, too, about the community side and what we're trying to focus on in, in our articles and the storytelling is not just about, like, when I say real talk and travel ha- fails and travel hacks, like, that's what we're talking about the complications of women traveling and safety. And we have a great article that just came out that we just published in the app that's um, being black in China. Yes. Right. And Latino women traveling and and talking about the feminine, the multicultural feminine experience and travel, which is fundamentally different yes. in a lot of places that you go. So that's like that's the environment we want to we want to lay it all out like this 
this is hard. Life is hard in general. Mm-hmm. But look how w- amazing women are navigating it throughout not only their personal experience. You know, we're talking. We talk also because it's it's a financial. We have a financial bent. We talk about equal pay and negotiating, and because that that matters when you need disposable income to travel mm-hmm. or just like you're saying traveling you know being becoming a travel influencer and that being your primary job you know asking right. for what you're worth as right. a consultant yes. that's a barrier we all have you know i mean I, I so i consulted when i came back for a year after in 2015 it was like that first time i had to ask for the, the amount that i was reasonable. I was petrified that mm-hmm. I mean, sure they were going to say no, and they didn't even blink an eye. It was right. just you know, it's it's getting over those, having those conversations that we're all. I mean, I could go on and on about all these fascinating women starting businesses or um, you know managing the bureaucracy in in their state and then traveling and having experiences abroad and coming back and. You know, yeah, I, I just I'm so excited to to talk about our collective experience and because travel travel is just such a passion point that you can use as a springboard for all these other conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love what you're doing. Thank you. And as we wrap up, start to wrap up, I want to ask yeah. you, um, clearly travel has shaped your life and, yeah. you know, has brought you to this point where you're doing this great work yeah. to help other people travel. Uh, what has it changed in your internal life. Yeah. That's such a hard question because it I've I've said this to my staff it's like travel is is literally in my DNA. Like if I did if I couldn't travel I mean I it would really I would be a much less happy person. And I and I having moved back to the states, you know, obviously the last couple of years, I also have realized I I need to travel every 3 to 4 months for my own sanity. And I was thinking about why it's like for me it's it's we have I have a wonderful life here. I have a beautiful son. We you know, we're happy and it's joyous, but there's something about shifting your energy and feeling the energy of another place and understanding um again the human experience from a different angle and seeing the nuances of oh the body image in Africa is completely different than body image here and I don't have to worry about you know, showing a little bit too much, like my my booty being big. You know, there's mm-hmm. people. There are other people that love that, or, or even just respect for. You know, I I spend a lot of time in francophone speaking countries, and the French have a very fascinating. You know, and not perfect. There are a lot of issues in France, but the kind of fraternité, liberté, like their kind of core values, and how that from the revolution, from their French Revolution, that kind of filtered down into how they the nuances of their culture and and how they manage their political scene. It's like, that's a different way of thinking, you know? And so I I need it. I love it because it, it just helps me. It just pushes me to be better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And think differently and understand history and yeah. Understand the human experience. Yeah, absolutely. I relate to all of that. Yeah. I'm sure (laughs) that's travelers. We always do. Yeah. So do you have any, um, any tips if someone were starting out? I always ask my my guests yes. to share sort of top tips if someone's listening who just says, you know, that's it. I'm I'm done thinking about this. I really want to just start. Yes. Like I want to be somewhere wherever that is yes. within the year. Or you know, oh yes. What would you say to them? Oh, oh, do it. <laughs> I would say um, start small if you are intimidated. Like if it's scary. Um, and I, I mean. 
frankly, I, I love Canada. I think Canada has a lot of great things about it. And also it has it has these wonderful nuances. It's bilingual. You know, you, you, you don't quite always see it if you go to Anglophone provinces, but you will always see signs in two languages and they just have a little different feel. So I would say start Start somewhere that you feel is accessible. But also, I mean, having the app. I was going to say, say. yes, and then download our app so we can help you get there. Thank you. (laughs) Just from a pure savings perspective, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, then use our app to, like, figure out how to hack and, and like, you know, all the different savings options that we have for you there. Um, But if you have a little bit of disposable income and you put away $1 a day over time, all of a sudden this grows to be a substantial amount that you can then do something with. So we already know we can find you at nav.it and sign up. Just there's a little button that, you know, early access, put your email in. You'll be getting our newsletters and then we'll blast you when it gets it's in the app store. Any other places we can find you online? Yes, please. We have a very active um, Instagram following. It's at or we're very active on it and we're growing the following. It's very exciting. It's at um, Let's Navit, L-E-T-S Navit. Um, And then that's also the Facebook handle. Great. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll be keeping in touch, I'm sure. I hope so. Thanks so much for coming and talking about everything that you're doing. It's really exciting and inspiring, and I'm glad you could join me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. To find out more about Erin Papworth and get links to her company and the Navit app, be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. You can find those at jetsetlazette.com forward slash episode 21. That's jetsetlazette.com forward slash episode 21. Lizette is spelled L-I-S-E-T-T-E. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Globetrotter Lounge. If so, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. That would help me reach more listeners and inspire more women travelers. Also, if you'd like to find out how I've saved over $90,000 in travel costs, you'll want to check out my Roadmap to Free Travel. It breaks down the steps that I've taken to rack up over a million airline miles and hotel points, allowing me to travel to dream destinations whenever I want. So be sure to grab your copy at RoadmapToFreeTravel.com. Well, that does it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, remember, life is short, travel more.